Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome to the Guitar Nerds Home Recording Guide, a four-part series all about how to record at home. The equipment you'll need to transform your gigging or practice rig into something that allows you to create great music at home, and some hints and tips on how to get started, how to improve, and if you're already well-versed in home recording, hopefully a few tidbits to really hone your skills. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week once again by professional freelance producer, YouTuber, and all-around wonderful fella, Mark Roberts. Hello, Mark, and welcome back. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I am good. I'm good. Thank you very much for coming on a second episode. It's a pleasure. Thank ah, you. There you go. Well, of course, because... It's honour the... and a pleasure. Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, yes, that's how I wish all people reacted to being on a <laughs> podcast with me. But yes, it, last week I... Uh, I, I did what I always do um, on on the podcast, and and I, I sort of I, I went off on one about the gear. Of course, plugins are something that have been very very exciting to me, especially since lockdown happened, and all of a sudden, I maybe couldn't get as hold as is uh, uh, I couldn't get hold of as much stuff, and I couldn't go out and and see equipment and try things. The idea of plugins became much more appealing, and of course, because of lockdown, every single plugin company was really popularizing this idea of well you know we're all stuck at home why don't we all make some music and everyone was making things free doing offers and discounts and i got very excited and spent a lot of money i spent more money on plugins i think over the last three months than i have on uh, equipment in the last year or so so uh yes it's terrible terrible you but out. You're ready. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah un- unnecessarily so Really unnecessarily so, but uh, but yes, unfortunately, I made that the first episode all about that a little bit, and we didn't um, we didn't talk so much about the 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 practice of recording and uh, yeah. and all the other and all the other things, which is of course you know why I've asked you onto uh, onto this podcast because you have such a wonderful back catalogue of of bands and artists that you've worked with, um, you know, it, it, as as I mentioned. Last week, you've uh, you've recorded with some of the um, you know some of the the best bands coming out of Brighton at the moment, from sort of you know Delta Sleep, Tosca, the Physics House Band, Jamie Lenman, etc. Um, there've been some really wonderful people that you've recorded with, um, and so it'd be good to kind of pick your brains on things like that. And of course, your your YouTube um, 
series of videos, your YouTube channel. Um, yeah. You you offer, uh, you know, completely free guides on uh, on on how to record in in very sort of specific fields. Like um, yeah, yeah, I go full full nerd on a few of those videos. Yeah. So <laughs> I started you... off trying to. You try and kind of circle the point, not circle the point. You try and kind of be brief with it, but it's one of those subjects. I think unless unless you go into detail, you're not doing it justice, kind of thing. Of and like Eric Valentine's a famous producer. If you don't know him, he's done all kinds of stuff. Off the top of my head, I think Slash Queens of the Stone Age, bunch of people. But he's he's started putting videos up going through his kind of you know mixed breakdowns and just techniques and stuff and some of his videos are like two three hours long so i feel Oof. completely vindicated now and, I th <laughs> and and also i think if you are into this stuff you kind of want it to be long like i i don't like watching videos that just kind of give you a you know a little bite-sized thing and don't really explain everything properly so yeah i hope for, i'm trying to strike a balance on it but yeah if you do want to not all of it's like that, but there are a few longer ones if you, you want some like in-depth stuff and yeah, breaking down some of the mixes and things I've done and just general advice and bits and bobs. Yes, you did like a, uh, recently you've done a behind the track it, um, video, which is, you know, where you, you break down the the process of, uh, yeah. of producing an individual track. And you, you did that in two parts with a Delta Sleep um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, record recently. Um, which was, you know, which was great. And, you know, I, I guess in total that that's about an hour's worth of, of video there. Yeah. Yeah. And that was where I didn't, yeah, I sort of started it and like literally when, when I'm going through the project and stuff, I'm trying to be quick and I, I really could have, it could have been four hours long easily because there's so much kind of stuff that you can talk about, but I kind of split it into like, there's a short, shorter, like sort of. I don't know, eight minute first video that talks about just the production and why we did it the way we did and everything. And then the second one's like looking through the project basically and kind of fairly briefly, like looking at the drums and how they're recording solo, soloing some bits and pieces out. And then, yeah, yeah. Like more, more the technical side in the second video. Really? Um, oh, yeah. sorry. No, carry on. No, no, no. That's that's pretty much all I was going to say. Um, really useful, and I would say, listener, even if you're, you know, if you're not aware of Delta Sleep or you know, or interested in that specific track, I find I found it very helpful as a um, as just an overall guide and kind of a, a like ah. Those that's something I can try. That's a thing I can look into. You know, just uh, just being able to kind of get into the into the mind of a producer, rather than you know just sitting at a track you've produced yourself at home. Maybe you've recorded some vocals, a handful of guitars, some bass, maybe some ambient stuff and and some drums, and you're sitting there. I don't know, just panning the things, you know, and not doing <laughs> much more than that. It's uh, it's it's really handy just for ideas on, on Definitely. where to I, take I tracks. think that's that's a good point in general when it comes to learning to record and produce and mix. Um, you've got so many resources out there that you have to kind of look at what other people are doing and then try these things. And, and what happens is like some you'll you'll discard some you'll use for a bit and then maybe you know they'll fall by the wayside but 
a big part of being a producer or a recording engineer or a mixer is that you you essentially build up a collection of skills like a like a toolbox of skills and um you know some of these ideas that you see other people doing and and like you said like it sparks off ideas like oh i could try that kind of thing but it's part of what it's about is um building up this box of tricks and uh, the largest part of what it's about almost is um problem solving so the more kind of tricks and techniques and things that you can be aware of then the more tools you have to like solve a problem and it's generally like okay you know this guitar sounds shit why does it sound shit how can i make it sound better yeah or or drums or vocals or whatever it might be so yeah it's good to to watch different people's take on it and see what you can you can put into your toolbox well exactly and i found that more helpful than than any videos that are maybe more specific because if you're if you're looking for something more specific you have to i guess already know what the problem is that you that you have yeah. whereas a lot of the time it's certainly if coming from it you know coming at it from a novice's perspective a lot of the time you can be like well i don't i don't know why this bit sounds like everything's being slammed like you know i don't know what's wrong with this bit of audio i have no idea so i don't know what to search for i don't know what youtube videos to watch to help um so i think you're absolutely right and kind of these general purpose videos are great for just building up yeah yeah yeah, a load of tools building up a load of tools and also just kind of i don't know it's good to try different things because you can just get caught in the trap of this is how I do things you know you find a way of doing something that works for you yeah and that can be really useful but then you find every mix you do you're just doing that same thing almost out of habit and yeah it's quite nice to question things and you'll see that when you watch other people's take on it perhaps they do something that you don't do but perhaps they don't do something that you feel that that you've become accustomed to doing like someone I can't think of an example of like say say you always parallel compress your drums yeah and then you see like someone talking about like doing a mixed breakdown of a track that you really rate and they just didn't do that and you're like oh you know you, you just become there's things that just become really habitual so it's quite good to see how other people do it because some, sometimes it is I don't know when you watch really good mixes and stuff sometimes they're just doing way less yeah. And, and that might be a key to perhaps what your problem is with your mix is maybe you're doing too much. And especially with all the plugins and all the tools that we've got, it's really tempting to just, you know, pull out all this stuff before you've just been like, well, maybe it's just a little bit too quiet in the mix. Or maybe if I pan it slightly more, it's going to get out of the way of that other element, you know. This special home recording series of Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Neural DSP. And now Guitar Nerds listeners get 30% off all Neural DSP plugins with voucher code Guitar Nerds. 
Neural DSP create unique industry-leading guitar and bass plugins designed to make you sound exactly how you want without any sacrifice in tone or dynamics. Their range includes signature plugin rigs available from some of the best modern guitarists in the world, like Corey Wong, Tosin Abassi, Adam Nolly Get Good and Pliny. Plugins like Corey Wong's Archetype give you everything from crystal clear cleans and edge of breakup blues brashness, whilst the 14 series brings out all the crushing modern metal distortion you could possibly need. The point is that there's an amp here for every type of player, and with a 14 day free trial of any of the plugins at neuraldsp.com, with no credit card required, you can try before you buy and then purchase with the confidence that you're buying the right rig for you. And don't forget, enter code GUITARNERDS at the checkout for 30% off all Neural DSP plugins. Follow links in the description of this podcast or visit neuraldsp.com for more info. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, I recently revisited the the first track that I looked, that I worked on during during lockdown after I'd made sort of some, you know, massive uh, plug-in purchase. And I mm. realized that on, on, I had a, a load of guitar tracks that were, that were recorded perfectly well through. And it actually, you know, recorded from the line out from a katana. So already they are a guitar through an amplifier. You you have that fine. But I had gone through each of them and, um, and added additional, you know, guitar effect plugins and things. For, yeah. for no real reason, it was just like I went through. There were probably thirty guitar tracks on the on that particular track, and and I'd yeah, I'd, I'd just gone completely overkill. Everything had, you know, a ridiculous amount of stuff going on, just unnecessarily. Because at the time, I was like, well, that's what you that's what you need to do here. I need to put. I need to put this fat channel compressor on every guitar track, you know, because yeah. that's, that's there. That's, <laughs> that's uh... the thing when you get a new toy as well. I mean, I, it's funny you say that. Even like watching that, um, not watch it, when I was putting that Delta Sleep thing together, I was kind of like, oh, why, why have I used that plug in there? I'm thinking, oh, it's because it was new, wasn't it? I just got it. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's, the, but that's part of the, the fun of it. And that, you know, I'm not saying don't use these things because they can, much like a guitar pedal can inspire a part, like a plug-in can help inspire a mix sometimes. So, sure, you know, you're yeah. trying out a new compressor on your drum bus and then you're like, and that kind of becomes the drum sound and things. It's just just making sure that you're considered and you're doing everything for a reason. I think that's that's the thing you have to try and step back and make sure sometimes that you everything you've got going on is legit, you know? Yeah. yeah and, and sometimes you have to try um, putting 20 plugins on just to decide that one will do. And and that's fine as well, you know? Yeah, it's I guess of, it's that. Part of the process, yeah. That's it. I guess you can't do anything quickly. I mean, I guess you can do things quickly, but, it, you know, it helps to sort of take the time to mull over these things. And I guess there's no wrong answer when you're, no, when you're no. doing and, things. And if you are in a hurry... If you if you're paying attention, you've like like going back to this kind of concept of having a toolbox. Then at least you ha you have those things. If you're in a hurry and you like, I need to get a decent guitar sound going. You've got some tried and tested routes that you can go straight down and get get a really good starting point. Because sometimes you don't have the time to do all the experimentation and stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course, I guess so. I, I recently started trying to teach myself 
uh, Melodyne mm -hmm. um, uh, via, you know, th through a couple of YouTube videos on that. And, and actually, autotune's not something I've ever used on any of the tracks um, that, you know, that I've worked on. So, you know, I'm not often singing myself. Um, uh, and, you, you know, we, we have lots of guest vocalists on sort of the 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 polymath stuff that we're doing at the moment so loads of loads of different people and because they're all normally so good you know i i, I never i never really bother hmm. and it and it wasn't until you know watching a few videos on on a couple of um a, a couple of studio one producers that i that i quite like that i that they sort of started introducing this to me as being a um a tool to use not to um, not to sort out a vocal because it's dodgy, but just as something that's as useful for making vocals pop out of a mix as as EQ is or as compression is. Yeah. And that was kind of how they were teaching me. And I was like, oh, I never thought of it like that before. I always thought of it as like a fault corrector rather yeah. than rather than an enhancer, which I guess is how you think of EQ or you know yeah. compression. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think it's yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that definitely, and and also like um, with Melodyne as well. What I often find it useful for because if you're capturing a vocalist, there might be a take that's that's maybe not technically perfect. Maybe there's a phrase and a couple of the notes are a bit flat, um, but the feel of it and the delivery of it is spot on, and that that's the kind of time where I like to use Melodyne. It's kind of I would rather have a great performance and have to do a little bit of fixing than seven takes later. Oh, you know, it's banging tune now, but the singer is just performing a technical exercise now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I try and bear that in mind in the studio to, to pick the best, the actual best take, uh, not just the technically best take and Melodyne, you can, you know, most of the tuning I do, I do, manually you know it's not i don't really rely on the algorithms of melodyne um, I, I it's it's such an incredibly versatile <coughs> tool i mean i love that you can mm. obviously if if you want you can tighten up you can ask melodyne to do that all for you it, it does sometimes make mistakes if you ask it to apply it to the entire track especially if you've got sort of um you know any sort of Move, no movements progressions yeah. that are quite tight together i guess sometimes it can misinterpret them it's still very very smart but its ability to be able to manually adjust things you know and really finely adjust things so you could mm. even keep you can keep things subtly human you know and yeah. just subtly off almost in a in a very in a human sense i think that's that, it sometimes sometimes you're just dialing out a bit of the wobble like if a if it's a held note you know, you can kind of keep that note consistency without losing the kind of modulation of the the voice. You know, it's it's really clever. You, the, well, you yeah, the the fact for me that that software, because this is the first auto tune software I've really got involved with, other than you know some sort of silly over the top stuff that I mess around with. This is the first time I've seriously looked at it as a tool, and I thought it was incredible that Melodyne could even isolate the note from the modulation. Yeah, um, in sort of you know a split second. Uh, the, mo the the time it really blew my mind is um, I recorded a brass section. I think it was four players, and one of them was constantly flat. It just hadn't tuned properly. They're all good players, and Melodyne with Melodyne, I was able to 
because it was just done on a stereo pair of mics. So I could, oh, right. They, oh, blimey. There might have been close mics on each, but they were in a small room, so there was spill on it. You couldn't sort of I see. isolate it in that way, but Melodyne was able to... I was basically able to tune this one guy, <laughs> and I was like... That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, that's just... You, that shouldn't be allowed, but... I, um, just yeah. just on a and, and i know it's I, I know this is obviously bread and butter and obvious to you but I, as someone who was just getting into it and listener you know if, if you're interested in getting into it i believe melodyne comes free on studio one and it's yeah. uh which i didn't know until after i purchased it but that's fine <laughs> um but <laughs> yeah and it's so. it's the, the, yeah not beer at all but the, the basic version's like a, a hundred quid or something like that and just for the essentials which i found i'm sure I'm sure you might need need a more full on version of it, but I thought the essentials was kind of fine for everything. I, I, I use a pretty old basic version of it. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, I've got like the same license I've had for years. I probably should update it. I'm sure it does loads of whizzy stuff now. Well, that's that's one of the things so. I was going to mention the the update from four to five because five has yeah. only come out recently, and I think the reason I got I, I actually got five four came free on Studio One when I bought it, but. I think um yeah 5 is is the new one which I paid for. So the the good thing was 5 did have some improvements in the, it now automatically. I was I was learning which I didn't know is that the uh the voice obviously we don't we don't pitch our our s's and things like that. We only pitch our our vowel sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um so if you are to if you were to auto-tune so every voice we pitch our vowels in the same way, whatever we're doing. So if you were to auto tune someone's in, in in an entire line, and you've auto tuned outside of those vowels, then it's going to sound weird. And um, on Melodyne Five, it automatically it sort of isolates any sounds that aren't yeah yeah and like means, mechanical sounds kind of thing. Exactly, and then make sure That's that clever. any auto tuning you do isn't applied to them because i know on melodyne 4 it, it wasn't that you had to go through and find yeah, them yourself well that, that's one of the giveaways when you you know traditionally speaking when you use the more of the algorithm if you just select a whole thing and say tune this 90 percent and this much um uh what's it pitch drift is the other kind mm. of slider isn't it um, yeah or it is on the version i've got yes uh, no yeah it's still exactly the same those those are some of the th- yeah the bits that give it away and that's partly why i would go through and just do it manually and i think you find with um especially with rock music and stuff um you can't rely if if it's a more raspy voice or if it's a more i don't know you, you just can't rely on the algorithm sometimes it might be that it's perfectly in tune but it just doesn't sound right in the song um if a voice is being used in a certain way yeah or in a in a less traditional way yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I guess it's a uh, yeah anything. And you're right when you when you use the when you say uh, um, mechanical sounds, it's it's those sounds. And if you have a singer who maybe has a lot of those, because there's so much um, uh, you know, individuality in that in that vocal, yeah. it's it's the sort of vocal that's going to suffer. Yeah, yeah, breaths and kind of yeah, and and sort of screamed vocals and stuff like that as well. I mean, that's a quick way to ruin. <laughs> One of those kind of vocals, like pitch, <laughs> pitched screams and things. You know, it's best best done manually, at least in <laughs> yeah. the one I've got. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. We're, um, go, we're going off on one about plugins again, Jay. Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> How long did we just spend on Melodyne? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is true. What I need to do is like just spend some time away from any plugins before yeah. I do one of these podcasts in order to... You've been locked down for too long, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Tell me about it. Um, so, okay. So let's move away from that. So recently you did you did a video on five tips to help your mix translate, yeah. which I thought was a great kind of um, setup for the basics and 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 things that people should uh should i guess should do before they even attempt to kind of mix their own music yeah yeah this episode of the guitar nerds podcast is sponsored by Focusrite and their scarlet series of recording interfaces now this podcast is all about what you need to make great recordings at home and i genuinely can't recommend the Focusrite scarlet range enough Due to the popularity of the series, Focusrite are now on their third generation of the interface range. And with six variants of size and starting at under £100, we think they're the perfect solution for getting into home recording. In fact, the Scarlet series have been the interfaces used to record almost all Guitar Nerds podcasts over the last six years. One of the features that really defines the Focusrite Scarlet as industry-leading is the intuitive quick start tool, which launches the moment you connect the interface, asks a few simple questions about the type of recording you're interested in, and then provides you with the walkthrough videos and links on how you can best get started along those lines. Focusrite's ultimate aim is to remove barriers to making music. They believe that technology shouldn't stand in the way of creativity, and the Scarlet series of interfaces are testament to that. Check them out at focusrite.com or follow links in the description of this podcast. I guess if we're talking about mixing and all this kind of thing, what's easy to get caught up in is the technology, as we've just demonstrated. Um, but there's the the important stuff to really think about is what I was saying with these videos is with this series, I guess, is the more meat and potatoes part of it. So your monitoring, first and foremost, being your the most important thing if you're wanting to mix music and even if you're wanting to record it and understand what it is that you're recording, um, making sure because that's your only window into what it is, you know. So it's it's really easy for someone to buy a setup and get really into it. And I, I guess I kind of did it to in a sense as well. I kind of, I was aware that you had to sort of treat your room and things, but it wasn't till I'd already got all the other bits and pieces that I started concentrating on that. And if there's something I look back on, um, you know, and wish I'd done slightly differently was pay more attention to this stuff. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah, treating your room if you can. And I, I, I think this is yeah. I, I'm sorry, I was just going to say. I think I think you you're absolutely right, and uh, and I absolutely am a sucker for all of this because I mm. what well, I just want to get things done. I want to be at that end point, and so I. Well, when I it's miss... less exciting, isn't it? It's just yeah. sort of like oh, put some panels on your wall or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not the most exciting thing. I, th I suppose monitors can be quite exciting in terms of trying to get some nice monitors. Yeah. But um. Yeah, what I was saying in the videos really is get the monitors you can afford first and foremost and learn them and just really learn them <laughs> back yeah. backwards so that you know what stuff's meant to sound like on those monitors. Right. They yeah. don't have to be the most expensive ones. You might not be able to have monitors and you might just have headphones or it might be a combination. Um, 
it's always good to have some headphones anyway. I think that again, ones that you've learnt and that you know as a backup. Um, is it is it important for the headphones and monitors to have a very similar, uh, you know, sort of sound or, or nature? No, or, no. I think if anything, it might be more useful that they don't. That they're quite contrasting um, because that that would give you more of a kind of a scope of what what it sounds like on different systems if you like so just like a lot of studios will have traditionally a pair of ns10s um which if you don't know they're they're kind of this the industry standard sort of monitors you see in a lot of studios they've got white cones on them and they're fairly cheap or they were have a set? Back, no no i don't um i used to in, in an old studio um that I shared we, we had a set there and they are they're really good and they're, they're basically they're non-flattering speakers yeah that that re- are really revealing in your mid-range and stuff and the, the idea being the philosophy behind it is if you can get your mix sounding good on those they'll sound good on everything and they'll translate yeah I have several sets of NS10s do you? Uh, I, I, I went through a brief period of being obsessed with the the idea of these incredibly flat sounding speakers yeah yes yeah, it's, yeah. it's a mistake really yeah yeah it's just what's best for you I, th- I think like i don't know with, with with those videos particularly i was trying to get away from concentrating on the gear it's more like the philosophy around it so you're, you're trying to get your room to sound as good as you can and that i thought the done. triangle was an interesting thing that i really didn't know and i know that sounds like such a basic thing but i was like yeah oh. Oh, of course. I don't think that's. I don't think my speakers are set up like that. Yeah, and you you see some really kooky kind of setups that people have, and often mix really well on. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know the perceived kind of way to do things, the agreed upon, you know, thing is to have your have this kind of equilateral triangle, so your speakers are the same distance apart, and firing roughly at at your head. Or, or pretty accurately at your head, and your head is the same distance apart uh, away from the speakers as the speakers are away from each other. So it forms an equilateral triangle. Right. And you just kind of point them so that they're firing just behind your head. And I guess that's to kind of take the edge off a little bit if you've got a tweeter pointing straight at your ears. Yeah. Um, but that's a really good starting point. And then looking after the kind of mirror points in your room. So these are the the points where the sounds kind of bounce off the wall and directly back into your ears. Like these are the kind of places that you want to think about putting some kind of absorption just to take those sort of first reflections off a little bit and try and fl- flatten the, the response a little bit. Does that sort of... <clears throat> does that make it better to mix on headphones in that case where you're going to not have that issue or...? It does and it doesn't. So mixing on headphones is a strange thing because it's not, I don't know, it's harder to maintain your perspective. There's something different about listening on speakers compared to headphones. And you can get open back headphones and all kinds of contraptions that make it a bit more like speakers. But there's, for me personally, I need to have that reference of of hearing the music on speakers because that's kind of a different thing i've tried i've not got on too well mixing on headphones but i always have a set of headphones to check on 
yeah uh, particularly low end like th- that's one of the main issues you'll have in a home mixing setup is getting your your low end right and it's one of the most challenging things mixing anyway but if you're in a less than ideal room you're always going to have kind of comb filtering and kind of standing waves in your room um the waves basically where the sound waves are reflecting off your walls and cancelling each other out or amplifying one another um that's giving you a slightly a slight kind of misrepresentation of what your music really sounds like hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/spoken today. I see. So this is why like the important things are to learn your speakers and how they sound in that room and listen to loads of stuff that you're familiar with and really let that sink in so even if your room isn't perfect you know it well enough and th- and this is also on an intuitive level it's not just a kind of um kind of it, it's not just an exercise in analytical kind of knowing knowing it on paper if you get what i mean i can't think of the right word for it but it's it's just getting used to it like one of the things if i'm in a, in a new room and I have to mix in there before I sort of start mixing. I'll just listen to music, even if I'm not consciously there going, okay, I can hear a bit of a hump at 100 hertz, you know. <laughs> it's, it's letting your subconscious know what things should feel like on those speakers. So yeah. th- that's one of the first things to kind of really get your head around. And then having some, you know, checking it on other systems, on your headphones and things like that, and making sure you know those. And again, it doesn't need to be ultra fancy headphones great if you've got them but it's more about knowing what things should sound like on a on any given system that might be some cheap earbuds in your car all that yeah. kind of stuff you know yeah. i i actually i i use a a, a cheap set of like tascam over ear headphones uh just as a a reference for every podcast because I'll, I'll normally i i know this uh, you know a dialogue podcast is is far from having to sort of make it anything sound uh, you, you know, far from a track, but I'm, I'll mix everything on a pair of Yamaha HS8s mm-hmm. and in the room, and then I'll I'll just reference it on these cheap Tascams because because sometimes, especially with uh, Matt Knight's audio, he's just uh, uh, the the guy is uh, you know technology is his kryptonite, and um, you never you never know what audio quality is going to be 
uh, feeding through and also his his router is uh, i assume a potato um <laughs> because it's it's terrible so there, there's there's often a dis- like a, a a notable difference in quality coming through from matt than anyone else and yeah. i find that when i'm listening to the speakers in the room it, i guess the room makes everything sound more dynamic or thicker and and i can I can hear the 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 bass from his just just his dialogue is is yeah. more responsive, and then I'll put on a set of headphones and I'll be like, "Wow, he sounds like a bee in a box compared to everyone else." Yeah, and uh, and it's it's good to have that as a as a a backup double checking point to be like, "Right, I need to have a look at this." You know, I need to and and this, this is exactly it. When when I don't know, people send me mixes sometimes. You know, just to sort of say, "What do you think?" Um. And you're trying to help someone like figure something out, and you you'll get a mix and just hear like a massive hump at fifty hertz or something in their mix, and it's you know one of the first things I would say to someone in that in that situation would be like, what are you listening on? Because I I might know that they're a good musician and or a good you know they know what music should sound like. Most of us do. Yeah. But then they they're obviously not hearing that so either that it's being cancelled out in their room or you know something's going on in that way um and and if that happens to you you either have to learn it out of the equation and just just work harder to kind of make sure you check things you can use um you know analyzers and stuff as well but i think it's more learning that or or put some treatment up or move your speakers around or move your whole desk if you have to and just try and yeah this it's just yeah i guess with those videos it's trying to put an emphasis emphasis on some kind of more just basic stuff that's that's overlooked really. yeah 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 so so i guess okay so so what is there outside so the the equilateral triangle for speakers and just the the basics of of knowing and understanding your speakers yeah then there's knowing and understanding your room and i guess there comes with that the importance of dampening which is actually not i think that's probably the last thing that people consider yeah because it, yeah. it's it's probably the least glamorous yeah. um is in investing in soundproofing yeah especially it. especially if you're if you're home recording but you know this this i think comes down to what do you want to do with those home recordings yeah um you know if 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 you actually are thinking of putting them out in in any way and and you know um and actually having them listen to this then there's no reason for you not to go sort of the the extra mile to make sure you're putting them out as good as possible but certainly you know baffling for a room is is very unglamorous you know in the in, in yeah. comparison to but it's all it's also about the enjoyment of doing it as well because as soon as you put up some of this treatment um a lot of the time you things it would just make the whole process a bit easier Right. You don't have to go to town on it. It's just kind of just work out what the, you know, and it might be that you're lucky enough that you're either in a room that doesn't have too many things that are throwing you off or some people just infuriatingly seem to be able to just, you know, mix in any room and they, they've just got a God-given skill for being able to understand their speakers. But <laughs> pers- personally, like, you know, as soon as I put up a bit of treatment and stuff, it just it just sort of the stereo image is better on your speakers you can hear more what's going on it's more pleasurable to do even if 
no one else is going to ever hear it you know i think it's something considering worth considering if it's it within your reach and it doesn't you don't have to go out and buy expensive stuff you can just build some just buy some rock wool make some wooden frames pack them and put some material over the top how um how how do you go how do you go about like working out where to put the treatment in your room well the fir- the first places to start are the mirror points which i explained before so the walls that are kind of directly facing your ears either side of you and perhaps your back wall it's those kind of main points above your head if you can hang something above your head that can help as well right um the position of your speakers makes a big difference as well it's worth worth thinking about um and there's there's lots of stuff you can read about acoustics in terms of tried and tested ratios of where to put your speakers as so 38% rule 38% into your room and stuff but a lot of us can't do that stuff at home we can't just kind of rearrange the whole spare room just to to make it a good mixing environment so you have to kind of give and take but you just do what you can yeah and also corners especially the corners behind your speakers um that's where the bass is going to kind of resonate and give you weird uneven responses so yeah bass trapping in the corners is a big help um you can even you know worst case scenario hang some duvets up and see it's it's a bit like if you were recording a vocal or something you're just trying to get the room out of the equation a little bit yeah i guess so yeah and it the way it works because of wavelengths and things is it's all about mass when it comes to really low frequencies because you've got a longer wavelength it, it requires more mass to absorb um so it's it's very hard sometimes to even out your low end um especially in you know some studios just have ridiculous amounts of bass trapping and stuff going on and before you know it your room's you know the size of a cupboard if you're trying to do it all scientifically so <laughs> yeah it's not always possible to get it perfect but i just recommend just just trying to do what you can um rather than going oh you know what i'm just not going to do anything because it seems like too much hassle or whatever it's it's you might find that it's the equivalent of investing in some new speakers because your speakers will just sound better. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, so. I'll probably That's... banged on about that. Now. No, no, it's good. Be- well, because be- I, it's important, it's... all right. Yeah, well, exactly. Because you know, certainly for uh, for people like me who are who are you know going to be ex- uh, uh, obsessed with the glamorous side of these things. Um, it's it's the last thing I would think about, and it's you, you're definitely convincing me into purchasing this. I have a I have a terrible history with um with room treatment. I had a friend who owned a a studio called Black Gull Studios in Chichester, and it eventually went bust, and we had to well, we helped him to clear it out, but that meant destroying the there was a room within a room, yeah like like a built in yeah yeah so so this the 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 unit was obviously going back up for rent so we had to remove this entire so depressing mix. yeah oh it's, it was awful it was a horrible experience but you know we, we were there for a few nights and it's so hot like it's so you know tiring and you know it's, it's a lot of work sort of hammering down these walls and stuff and i was on the uh i think i was drunk and it was the summer and i was on the roof of the room within a room ripping out the uh 
all the like the loft insulation stuff yeah all the rock wall yeah, yeah well, all of that stuff and it's and horrible I, yeah. stuff mate please tell well, me you it, had some gloves and well stuff. here's the thing this is where the story goes no one <laughs> i did no one had told me about this oh, and no, i'd had yeah. no experience with this and so i didn't even have a shirt on and i ripped off a significant piece and i wrapped it around myself like a cape and oh. then i stood at the end being like <laughs> You know, be like, look at me, I'm Batman. And uh, yeah, the, the did next everyone day, go? No. Yeah, everyone was just like, oh god. And so yeah, sh- sure enough, the next day was uh, the itchiest day of my entire oh, life. My whole really body was stuff. just red sores. You know, but uh, <laughs> is that why you haven't treated your room now? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's why I have Scarred. no treatment going on. Yes, it's yeah. a, it's a terrible idea. Um, but yes, yeah, so I guess you know that's uh, that, you know that's kind of the the importance of room treatment, uh, speaker placement. Yeah. Um, you know these are these are kind of the the basic things to. Um, yeah, that's for that's getting a, set up. If we're talking about you know people wanting to do home recording and stuff, or maybe get into recording on a bigger scale, then yeah, that's something people don't talk about enough, and that's something if you if you're struggling with your mixes then that's a really good place to start i think yeah yeah absolutely um and and i i guess kind of you know um i guess another part or then and i'm trying to work out sort of i'm trying to um isolate where to start and then sort of how to slowly move out to make sure you get everything covered without missing everything Mm -hmm. um you know would the next thing be you know, not wishing to to make it about equipment again. Wanted to talk more about the 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 use of the equipment. But would yeah. the next thing be microphones? <clears throat> Is that the next thing that should be invested in? And, and you should understand how to place and locate them. Depending yeah, on what I you're guess recording? so. It's kind of your what your end goal is. I mean, the the room treatment and everything is really important when you're thinking about mixing. It's also important when you're um, when you're tracking. To, to hear what you're what you're tracking um but we talked about that enough now i guess if if you're i don't know what's the scenario joe we're we talking about sort of setting up a home studio to record i think that makes sense for for the purposes Vocals, of guitars of, and bits and pieces i think so for the purposes of of people who are going to want to get into this sort of thing with the yeah. in light of everything that's going on i guess you know it's it's about how to set things up and i guess we've covered like how to position things you know yeah. i'm not we, yeah. we, you know the, the first episode was all about the, the various plugins or the equipment the interfaces things like that you can get obviously we mentioned yamaha ns10s are a great first monitor but you know buy within your budget as long as you learn them you'll be fine yeah so i guess yeah, yeah the it's it's yeah we're at sort of a home recording getting the best you can out <clears> of your <throat> home recording setup yeah yeah okay well i think you, yeah the basics you need is obviously you're, you're going to need some microphones and you're going to need an interface and again i think if you're learning you just just get what you can afford the even the basic stuff is good now you can get really get going especially for guitars and things um worrying up too much about preamps at that stage is gonna force you to come undone a little bit because you're going to start overspending and over analyzing yeah. things you know start with something basic 
Well, certainly, um, even when it comes to interface, even like a Scarlet Solo is going to, you know, it, it, you can run a, an SM57 straight into that. And if you're miking up a guitar amp, yeah. you know, you, you're you, going to get... It's, it, it's just one of the things in the chain, you know. Um, yeah. As, as you get into it, you will get more hung up on that kind of stuff or more interested in that kind of stuff. But it's such a small percentage. And the longer I do this stuff, the... Not the, well, yeah, no, the less I care about the gear. I think a really good engineer could take uh, focus right, you know, one of the, the really base level ones, the red ones. Yeah. The Scarlet, Scarlet, Scarlet Solo, I think, is the cheapest one. It's yeah. sub £100, and yeah, just one one uh, XLR in and one uh, jack in. Right, there you go. So say you've got that, and, uh, you know, a good engineer could take that in a 57 and make you a really good recording and a really good mix. Whereas someone who's not so experienced and hasn't thought about the kind of more basic elements of this stuff could take, by contrast, say, a Neve 1073 and a Neumann U87 and make something that's infinitely inferior. Yeah. So um, get yourself some basic stuff and then think about it in terms of your basic miking techniques and things and getting your gain staging right making sure you're not clipping on the way into your interface kind of finding the sweet spot um, so mic placement is an interesting thing yeah for me yeah. because it's not something i know anything about at all i mean you know obviously we've spoken about loads of great plugins which will obviously listener remove the the you know the, the worry about that but let's you know if you've got your sort of favorite valve amp at home and that's the thing that you want to record through as you know i do often end up recording through my you know lovely tweed blues junior it's it's fantastic but i don't really i mean i put a couple of mics like i have an an re20 and a and an SM57 that mm-hmm. I'll shove on the cone, but that's that's very much what I'm doing. I'm sort yeah. of placing these two mics there. Yeah, and this, this is where, where it's important. So your source sound and your mic position is going to make more difference than any selection of microphone, any interface, any preamp, any whatever. It's like you have to kind of think of it logically. So the most important thing is the performance followed by how you capture that performance. So um, there's tried and tested ways to position a microphone and they're really good starting points. So say if you're, you've got one microphone, SM7, SM57, whatever it might be, and you're looking at the, and I try and do some (laughs) visual representation through my limited vocabulary here, but say you're looking (laughs) at the speaker and there's the dust cap in the middle. Um, a really good starting point is going to be where that dust cap meets the edge of the cone. So just off center on that kind of crease, that's going to be a really good starting point. And then have a listen. Um, you might need to record a bit and then have a listen back, or you might have some closed back headphones on and you can turn the guitar perhaps down a little bit so that you can hear them nicely in your headphones without blasting it and you can move the microphone literally move it around until you find a spot that you like but generally speaking if you go more towards the center of the cone it's going to get brighter and if you go more towards the edge it's going to get darker and then you can also position the mic 
on and off axis, which is going to going a bit off axis is is also going to make it a little bit darker sort of right. sounding as well. It would change the the timbre slightly as well. Um, then we get into talking about using more than one microphone, and this is where you this is like your first experience with having to think about phase. Um, so this is to do with the the waves hitting the microphone at the same point you want them to hit at the same point um again this is hard to say without a kind of visual but if you think think of a wave a wavy line um there's two wavy lines two um well there's one wavy line but you want your microphone to hit that wavy line at the same point if that makes sense right so you want to line up the capsules of the microphone as best as you can so that these two mics are really lined up and then um, you have the phase switch on your on your mic preamp or whatever, and you can check which way sounds better. So w- when you when you say they need to be at the same place, uh, what do you mean, like so distance away? Yeah, yeah. From and from it, so obviously from the source. height and and everything like that doesn't <clears throat> matter. But we just it's just you need to make sure that they level up perfectly. Well, yeah, and and it wise. might be. This is this is where it gets a little bit complicated, but generally speaking, when you're putting two microphones on a guitar amp, say that's what we're talking about, you're wanting to get some of the tone of this second microphone, or you're wanting to add something that the first microphone hasn't got. So you might have a microphone that's um, much more towards the centre of the cone, and it sounds really good, and it's got all the detail and articulation of the guitar but it's lacking a bit of body and a bit of kind of low end. So you introduce a second microphone that's perhaps further towards the edge of the cone that on its own would just sound a bit too dark, but then you want to blend the two together. And um, so so you want them the same distance from, from the cone, as, as, as closely as you can, and you want to be able to blend those together. Um, if they're out of phase with one another you're you're going to hear they're going to kind of cancel each other out so say you have a snare drum this is a good way to maybe an easier way to sort of visualize it if you've got a microphone on the top of a snare drum and a microphone on the bottom of the snare drum and you hit that snare drum the sound isn't kind of a linear thing it comes out like a like a globe almost so the the waves are going to be the opposite wavelength from the top to the bottom so you flip the polarity the phase on the bottom microphone so you're flipping it 180 degrees Um, and if your microphones are out of phase on your guitar speaker so you've lined them up you've got them in the right position but then you listen to it and they and it sounds really thin and like a wasp in a jar this is when you want to try flipping the phase and it will should suddenly come into focus and sound much thicker and if you're not sure, it's always worth checking the phase against one microphone against the other microphone. And you're looking for the thickest sound possible with the most low end. I understand. Right. Okay. Well, that, that, that makes I don't know sense. how well I... <laughs> I don't know if I just confused people more with that. I probably <laughs> no, I have. Was... I've kind of gone off on a, a tangent about phase. but That um... was good. That was, that was really straightforward. And, and, you know, once again, you know, something that, that I do that I'm sure a lot of people do is that because I'm all the gear and no idea, I'm 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 shoving a microphone, a, you know, a really nice microphone on an amp without 
any other thought to it so kind of understanding that and 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 how to that's much more simple than <clears throat> i ever thought it was i thought it was some sort of mystical thing that only uh producers understood i mean no but well there's there is more to it in a sense but it's just like using well some of it's using your ears it's like you can just shove that microphone on and then you can spend ages adjusting your amp trying to get the right sound yeah or you could listen to your amp and be like that's the right sound i like that sound and right. then the next challenge is actually to position the microphone to replicate, so, it. To replicate it exactly exactly so that's where it's sometimes worth putting some headphones on and moving the mic around and trying to find the spot where you've got if you've only got one mic and you haven't got two so you're not getting like a bright and a dark sound which isn't essential anyway it's just a technique then you can just move it around till you've got a good balance i think an important thing if you're getting into it or if you if you're into it and you're finding elements of it frustrating is to think about these kind of mechanical things that can make your life easier yeah and not get caught up in the technology too much it's you know that stuff's almost like the minutiae yeah you might not have like all these amazing recordings that people are constantly referring to beatles recordings bits and bobs like compared to now they were making do you know they might have only had yeah absolutely in a studio you might only have like two three compressors one reverb unit whatever you know and you have to kind of make do so they would have spent longer engineering i I think engineering is something that needs needs focus you know rather than relying on technology to solve your problems it's kind of like there's so much you can do by moving a microphone an inch or a centimeter even um to change the sound and maybe achieve what you wanted to achieve so if you spend just and it doesn't have to be a ridiculous amount of time but just spend that little bit longer capturing the sound um that's going to pay pay off way more than any eq or something at the other end of it um so it's yeah it's where you value things and it's the same you know listening back to your music as well kind of if you can make sure you're hearing the most um decent representation of it that you can muster with your given um equipment then at least you know you've covered that as best you can and and then the other elements can then get more involved well exactly it's kind of it's the best place to grow from because if you have those foundations built in then it means that you know as you then improve the equipment you're working with over time you actually will improve rather than just you know improving your equipment yeah, is, yeah, you know, and 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 I've kind of come from that in the sense that, um, th- I didn't do the traditional path of becoming a recording engineer, like working yeah. up through studios, and I probably should have taken more advice and more mentorship. Um, I did lots of reading and things like that, and but when I was first learning this stuff, it was kind of almost pre YouTube and all that kind of thing so i had to make a lot of mistakes um to learn but that again added to this kind of toolkit of of ideas and and you experiment and you do daft stuff you know and that's that's how people discovered discover these things it wasn't until you know recording the beatles the engineers started sort of taking risks and sticking the mic right on the on the cone of a speaker and 
you know, they had to do it so that the studio owners didn't see them doing it and things. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, and that that's like standard now. Well, so. Of course, yeah. I mean, I love those stories. Like, you know, the the invention of fuzz being from the, you know, the, the faulty desk on the bass input that yeah. eventually resulted in the, you know, the very first Maestro fuzz in 1962, which has essentially caused you know i don't know hundreds of genres and musical direction you know going all yeah. down to a a faulty input on a desk or you know you want to talk about like the first distortion being like you know when dave davis took a stanley blade to the cone of his yeah that's, uh, that's what his, i was going to say yeah the cutting the speakers and stuff yeah exactly and it's those sort of wonderful organic things that i think were happening around them which will which is why the you know that golden age of of production and kind of everything from like i think of you know it's that sort of for me the 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 mid to late 60s into the early 70s of everything that was stacks and motown and everything that was coming out of you know yeah muscle things, shows and all, all those exactly sort of you know as well, yeah exactly those records and then for, for me kind of everything that the rolling stones were doing which yeah. you know would always be those sort of first like three or four records the the most important things i've ever heard to sort of then like what neil young was doing or um uh, and that or, comes from this this experimentation as well yeah and and people i don't know you have to be careful not to just lust after what other people have got and other other equipment and stuff and you've probably got a bunch of stuff in your arsenal say you're a guitarist and you're getting into recording um i mean you've got all these pedals and bits and pieces i mean why not play around with those as well you know those are kind of plugins you, you most interfaces you'll have a way of sending something out of that interface through a pedal and back again like try it you know yeah yeah yeah, play, try, and, try and be new, I guess. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's that. Yeah, so, I mean, it might sound shit, but <laughs> <laughs> try it. Try it, why yeah, not? Exactly. Well, um, that's that's pretty much all the time uh, that we have on this week's episode of Vicatana's Home Recording Guide. Um, so I, I'm happy with that. That was a wonderful kind of random journey. Meandering. Down, uh, information for your ears it's good i feel like i learned things which is good i don't i don't often learn things being on the podcast with the with the other fellows you know they're you know they're not great people to learn from so you know so thank you very much mark it's been it's been absolutely wonderful to have you on board useful I, i think it was and listeners i'm sure you'll agree it was very useful indeed now, don't forget, you can follow Mark on YouTube at Mark Roberts Producer Engineer or visit his website, markrobertsproducerengineer.com. And you can follow Guitar Nerds on all the major social platforms and join us on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds Forum or on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds. And we'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.